Thank you, Miss Judy. Open your Bibles to the book of First John, over there toward the back of the Bible, toward the book of Revelation. I tell so our deacons can find it. First John, book of First John. One of the great books of the Bible. All the books are great. All of them are informative. All of them are inspirational. Every word is inspired of God. We have an every word Bible, and I'm glad for that today. When you read the book of 1 John, you'll find several words that are repeated over and over again. And I want to talk about goodbye world, goodbye in just a moment. But you'll find the word life 12 times in the book of 1 John, these five chapters. You find the word light five times. You find the word no 36 times. That's very important, at least no, knoweth or knew. It was a form of the word no. The word love is found 25 times, and the word world is found 17 times. When God repeats a word or repeats a sentence or repeats a certain thought and repeats it, sometimes he only has to say it one time, but he repeats some things over and over again for us so that we'll get a hold of it and digest it in our spiritual bloodstream to be able to understand the mind of God. And I want to understand that. I know when going through a new converts class over the past number of years, uh, I'd always ask them the first thing to go to First John, and your assignment would be to mark the times you find the word no, because you need to know that you know that you know that if you died, you go to heaven. Amen? And the Bible tells us if you want to find a way to know you're saved, read, the first, read those five chapters of the book of First John, and read them slowly and prayerfully, and you can pretty well come up with a digestive system of how you know you're saved. If you're not saved, then get saved. And let's trust Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God, if you would, please. Let's go to verse 15, verse 16, verse 17. I'll give you one point this morning and one point tonight, the Lord willing, if God be my helper. Several folks have asked me about my health already today, and I'll just give you an update. Tuesday, I go to a lung doctor. And then Thursday I do two MRIs, and so pray for me as I go with the tunnel, okay? I always hesitate to go into there. For fat people, they're tough. They need to get a, a bigger MRI machine. All the fat people say amen. Uh, verse 15, chapter 2. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. <clears throat> John was called the beloved disciple, but he didn't mix words in First John. He got right to the point. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And all God's people said, Father, I pray for your unction today so I can function. I pray, God, for the anointing afresh upon my heart, upon my life. Give me clarity of thought. May you give me clarity of throat. That I'll be able to say what you want me to say in these few moments of time. Thank you for the Word of God's been read. If nothing else was done except read the Word of God, 
Lord, it's been well worth the time just to come to church to sing some songs of Zion and read the Word of God, draw closer to you and closer to each other in these days in which we live. This world is not a friend to grace. This world is not a friend to God. And Lord, how we need to understand that as Christians, I'm glad this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And Lord, may you bless the message today. I need your help in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. I said at the close of the prayer, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My home's laid up somewhere beyond the cares of this life. And I'm glad for that, my eternal home. And I'm glad this world is not our home. The word world is used several times. I mentioned already here in the book of 1 John. Uh, go back to my notes, 20, no, 17 times it's used, the word no, the word world. And because of that, there's an emphasis placed upon it. If you read it real slowly in verse 15, 16, 17, you'll find that word world at least five times. The word love not the world. If any man love the world, for all that is in the world, the pride of the life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You know, soon after becoming a Christian, I'm not sure how old you are in the Lord, all of us would vary in our testimonies, but all of us got saved somewhere in the past. I'm talking about got born again, talk a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You may have been a child or you may have been an adult, but somewhere along the way you gave your life to Jesus Christ. And you had to have the assurance of your salvation, and sometimes some folks battle that. Excuse me. And sometimes you come to in your life as a Christian, it's a whole new adventure. And uh, you find it, it's, it's really exciting adventure when you get saved and you know you're saved. I was talking to my friend P.J. Parker this morning. He said March the 17th, 19-something, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Gave the time and the date. Not everybody can do that. I can't remember my first birth. Uh, sometimes trying to remember my second birth, the date, I don't have that. I wish I had it. It would be great to know. I advise anybody, when you get saved, write it down in your Bible. Yeah. And just put it there. This is my second birth. You can celebrate two birthdays. I was born May the 17th, 1946, in case you forget that one, write that one down. <laughs> but I don't know about the other one, but thank God I was saved. Amen. And if you ask me how I know, the Bible tells me so. Amen. These things have been written unto you that know, that you believe, that you may know that you have eternal life. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm glad God has a way of reassuring us over the way. One of the first things I found in new converts, especially maybe adults or maybe kids too, they want a Bible. I've seen folks leave church this week. They'll ask about a Bible. They'll go down to, they'll go down to the bookstore and buy the wrong one. <laughs> Sometimes too quickly getting a Bible. We used to talk a lot of Bibles in the, in the bookstore. And they got so expensive sometimes trying to buy them. We just buy a little at a time. We can always order Bibles for people if they need one. But uh, they want a Bible. Nothing better in all the world to see a guy get saved who's no drunk, uh, going on his way to hell, get saved, come in next week with a Bible. And some of them just dress up a little more when they get right with God. There's something about that that's encouraging. But what I'm trying to say is this. It don't take long till you realize the Christian life is not a bed of roses. You're going to realize pretty quickly in life there's a lot of battles and problems in the Christian life. It's good to be saved, but there's a lot more to it than that. That's the beginning step. That's the beginning of your relationship with God for time and eternity and how important it is for salvation to be real in our lives. 
but there's a lot of things that happen. You have a desire to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's where it ought to be. But those obstacles and the hindrances come. I have three enemies tonight that I battle all all of my life, and you're going to battle them too. And they're not people as such. They may use people, but they're not people. You have three enemies, and they are the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is the external enemy that you face every day of your life. The world, and we'll talk about that a little bit just in a minute, just in a moment. I want to try to define the world, and tonight I want to explain a little deeper because the world has got a grab, or got a, got a, got a grab upon an individual's life, and none of us are immune to that. This world is an enemy to our souls. It's an enemy to the very program of God and to those who want to live right. Number two is flesh. That's the internal enemy. On the inside, my flesh is no good. The Bible says there's no good in the flesh. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 3, I think it is, that the flesh doeth not good. It is not good for anything, but it is a very vital part of the devil's arsenal to use to try to ruin, wreck, and destroy us, and you'd be drawn away by the lust of the flesh. And the devil is the third enemy, and he's the one that's over all of this. So the world, the flesh, and the devil, and he takes the external, which is the world, take the internal, which is the flesh, he takes the infernal, which is the devil, and he attacks your life regularly. He tries to distract you from serving God. As a matter of fact, when you got converted, that's a tremendous testimony in your life. But you cannot be reconverted. You can't be converted over and over again. The devil knows you've been converted. He may not be able to get you back because he cannot do that. But he will try to divert you from doing the will of God. If he can get you off off step and off page and off the right way to live, if he can do that, uh, he'll, he'll put his finger in the face of God and say, See there? They're not going to live for you. They're going to live for me. And I'll take the world and I'll let it be an attraction to draw them away from you. And many folks are living the Christian life today. They've been saved. If you ask them when, they probably could tell you. They ask you the day. They may know the day. You can ask them how they've been in their Christian life. And they say, well, I'm going to heaven when I die. But they're living for this world. The world has captivated them. And none of us are immune to that. And I say that honestly, we've got to realize we have an enemy out there. And the devil is using the world and the flesh and the pride of life to destroy us and to ruin wreck and uh, do havoc to our life. And I said a while ago, the world is no friend of grace. James 4, 4, the friendship of the world is enmity with God. So if I love the world, I don't love God. If I love the things of the world... I don't love... What is the world? That's what we're going to get to in just a minute. What in the world is the world? If it's mentioned 17 times in the book of 1 John, it's mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible. What in the world is the world? I've got to know what the world is so I can be able to know how to combat it with the power of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside. But may I remind you now, and I'll do it again and again and again, greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. So the world's out here. It's all around us. And you see it every day of your life. You're captivated by it. And what your passions are in life is basically what the world draws you to. What do you really enjoy doing? And let's just ask you, have you enjoyed reading the book? I read a chapter this morning. I'm not braggadocious about reading the Bible. I don't read it enough. But I got to reading this morning. I may just turn over and read it right now if I can find it right quickly. Bear with me just a second. I read it one time. I read it several times. I kept on reading, and I kept on reading in the book of Psalms, in the book of Psalms, the song book of the Bible, and I got over to 143. 
And I read it 22 times at least this morning. You know who needed it? This preacher needed it. I read it one time. I said, I got to read it again. I read it again and again and again. Let me just read it. If I get nothing else out of the sermon, I'll read you Psalms 143. If I say nothing else, let God speak to your heart. I know God can speak to every individual who's saved because the inside, the Holy Ghost of God said, I will teach you all things that you need to know. He dwells on the inside of our body. Don't take the Bible lightly. If you don't have a passion for the Scripture, you have a passion for something else. If you don't have a passion for living for God, you've got a passion for something. What rings your bell? What turns you on? What is it that really drives you? It could be a lot of things we'll talk about more as we go along. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear. Give ear to my supplications, in thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness, and enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in the sight thy sight shall no man be living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul, he hath smitten my life down to the ground, he hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. The Bible says in verse four, therefore is my spirit overwhelmed. You ever been overwhelmed with your spirit in your spirit? Just overwhelmed. I can't seem to take much more. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old and meditate on all thy works. I muse or think on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. That's a good time sometimes just to raise your hands up while you're reading the holy scriptures. Nothing wrong with shouting privately. Nothing wrong with shouting publicly. You ever shouted privately? How many ever shouted while you drove the car? Amen. Best thing to do is pull over to the side. Don't try to do it while you're driving. You might get to crying and praying and praising the Lord and run over somebody and kill them. Of course, it would be their time to go, I guess, in God's divine providence. But, but praising the Lord, sometimes raising your hand. How many times it says we, we Baptists are a little afraid of that, yeah. raising our hands. Well, it's biblical. Raise my hands toward God. Nothing wrong with that. I love doing it in private with nobody there except me and God. It sort of draws me closer to God. He said, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. There's something about that, folks. That's real. Most of our problems could be solved. Most of our indications toward the world could be turned away from the world and back to God by just reading the Holy Scriptures and having a passion for the blessed Word of the eternal God to be able to digest and assimilate it into our spiritual bloodstream. When God speaks, God speaks. The eternal God, the God of heaven, the God who created man from nothing and put the breath of God into his life from the dust of the earth. And God made him and, and, and loves him and cares for him. And God can speak to the inner man just as quick as it possible possibly can. Just like that, God can speak. He said, let there be light, and it was light. He can say, let there be light to my soul, and there is light. And the Bible says, hear me, in verse 7, speedily, O Lord. Then I start to circle the word, O Lord. It begins to show up. My spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like them that go down to the pit. He said, hear me. Then he said, cause me. To hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Then he says, verse 9, Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. 
Number 10, teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. My spirit is good. Lead me into the land of the uprightness. Number 11, quicken me, O Lord. Make me alive for thy name's sake and for thy righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble and all thy mercy cut off mine enemies and destroy all them that afflict my soul. And then I put in blue, highlighted in blue, for I am thy servant. For I am thy servant. I'm not the boss. I'm not the master. I'm not the one in control. My life is to be yielded to God Almighty and to be willing to be a servant, whatever that may entail. And Jesus said, I come not to be served, but to serve. That should be the attitude of all of us. Well, how do you get that attitude? You go to the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit teach you. I need them. Be reminded of that. No longer how long you live. I'm just a servant, and you're just a servant. Sometimes we think we're somewhat... God was here before you ever came, and God will be here after you're gone. God can do without you, but you can't do without God. God will always have somebody to raise up to be the man or the woman to do the job that needs to be done. God has people, as Sunday school lesson said, there's 7,000 prophets who've not bowed their knees to Baal. And there's many people around the world that love the Lord Jesus Christ. If, he, if, if, he won't, if, if our church won't let him be God, he'll find the church. He'll find somebody. It don't take a big church to do a lot of things, big things for God, because we've got a big God. But sometimes we think, well, God's limited because He don't have a lot of workers. He's got millions of people around the world to do His work. And by the way, things are going according to God's will as, as it relates to the timetable. He knows exactly when the Lord Jesus is getting ready to come back. No man knoweth the hour. Jesus turned to the Father. And the Father says, Son, it's time to go. I do believe Jesus knows, but He says it's time to go. Jesus Christ is getting ready to descend from heaven. And the Father said, The time has come. Go get your bride. Can you imagine if that's today before the 12 o'clock hour? The Lord Jesus descends from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the air to meet the Lord. What a day that'll be. And Jesus descends from heaven at the bidding of God the Father. And they bring this thing to a climax and ushering in to the end of the world. It won't be very long because this world is not my home. I have a better world waiting for me. The book of Hebrews says a better country, a better church, a better, a better everything for us is in the future according to the writings of Hebrews and Apostle Paul. And so it is when we read the scriptures, I am thy servant. Really, I read that several times. I'm not sure. I said 22 times probably. Uh, it is either that or close to it. I just read it over and over and over again. And the more I read it, the more I loved it. I'm just simply saying I want to have a passion more of a passion. You pray for me that my passion will be for the Word of God to read it regularly. You say, Preacher, I don't have time to read it. You're too busy then. Amen. Well, Preacher, I'm a busy person. You're too busy. Amen. This is the only book God wrote. This is it. God wrote this book. I mean, there's 66 individual books in this one book makes up this volume called the Bible. And the Holy Spirit of God breathed upon holy men of God. Forty of them over 1,500 years breathed upon them as they wrote exactly what I believe is God wrote through them the words He wanted penned by mortal man to give to mortal man that mortal man could have the very words of eternal God. I have them right here for me. I don't understand it all, but I understand enough to know I need to know more. And the more I know, the more I know. The more I know, the more I want to know. The more I love Him, the more I want to love Him. The more I love Him, the more I want to love Him. I want to love Him more today. I want to go out loving God. When this whole world comes to a close, 
and we close our eyes in death, and we come to the end of our destination, part of us say, Lord, I love you. We've not been everything we ought to be. We've not been perfect because nobody is. But by the grace of God, we will fight to the end of the battle. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. And not for me only, but for all those who love His appearing. I'm glad God said for us to finish the course, fight the faith, keep the faith as Paul did. We may not be Apostle Paul's, but we can keep the faith. We may not be Apostle Paul's, but we can finish the course that God's laid out for us. I know not what yours is. I know not together what mine may be. But God has a course for your life. And He wants us to get in our lane and run it faithfully and run the good race with patience looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith and I'm glad that he says I'll help you and let the world and all the cohorts of hell be turned against you just remember greater is he that's in you that's in you than he that's in the world and the devil is the god of this world and he's the god of the prince of the air he's everywhere he's everywhere as it relates to this world system but God is above and beyond that the devil may be having control here for a little while, and the Lord has let him have control over the space of the air, over this world that we call the globe of politics, or the globe of, not politics, but the globe of uh, an area of cosmetics, and I'll get that word in just a minute. But let me look at the exhortation, give it to you, and I'll go, we'll go to the house. The external enemy is the world, and the internal enemy is the flesh, and the devil is our infernal enemy. And the worldly Christian comes along in the picture. Billy Sunday said there's no such thing as a worldly Christian. Whew. He says like saying there's a heavenly devil. Is there a heavenly devil? You're so preacher, that'd be almost blasphemous. Or is it right to say there's a worldly Christian? I think we all understand what it means when a person is living for the He said, Love not the world. Right. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. To that degree that we're loving the Father, our love is diminishing, not growing. It's hard to get a correct concept on life when we're loving this world more than we do God. When things are important, more important to us than God's will. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His right living. And all these things shall be added to you. And sometimes we look the opposite. We look at the world, if I could just have this, if I could just get this. I'm nothing wrong with things. You can have all the things in the world, but when things have you, it's lopsided, it's backwards. You can have the biggest house, the biggest car, the biggest boat. You can have the biggest this, the biggest this. You can have whatever you want to have. You can have the biggest bank account in town, but if you don't have God, you don't have anything. Because that's going to end and the lust of this world is going to fail and the things of this life are going to burn up and be dissipated and go out of existence. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. It's the desire of our life to grow as a Christian. And the obstacles and the hindrances come. The distractions may come to divert us instead of convert us. And the description is given to us in the Word of God, the enemy that we face. It's sort of like the old adage about a duck. We used to raise chickens years ago back in West Virginia, back when Dad was had a few acres of land. We raised chickens. We had one hog, had a bunch of chickens. We may have had a duck or two, but you know, you heard that adage about a duck. If it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it's got a beak like a duck, if it's got feathers like a duck, and it walks like a duck, it must be a duck. Right? Well, if a, if a saved person walks like a duck, no, excuse me, walks like, <laughs> walks like the world, lives like the world, smells like the world, 
It must be of the world. You know, I had to learn a long time ago not to judge people's salvation. I leave that between them and God. But I'll tell you what, the Bible says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. I wonder what they see when they get around us. I wonder how they react to us as it relates to a Christian. I hear this sometimes, and you've probably heard it too, and God forbid that any of us be guilty. I'm sure we all are, sometimes are. Or if you're a Christian, the woods are full of them. Well, I don't want anybody to say that. Yeah. If I, somebody says that to me and, and they, they point out to my life what it is, I hope I can go to my knees quickly. Please forgive me. I'm an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to do anything that would hurt Him intentionally. And if I do something, I want to confess it quickly and keep my short sin accounts. And if there's something in my life you can point it out to me, I hope I can have the grace to take it. Because the fact our, job, our, our responsibility is to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, the grace is no friend of the world, and the world's no friend of grace. James chapter 4, verse 4. It's different now since Jesus made me whole. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Behold, we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Could you be a heavenly devil and a worldly Christian? I'll leave that between you and your theology. But the worldly Christian bothers me. We're so much like the world. We act like the world. We walk like the world. You can't tell the two apart. And that's sad. There ought to be a difference. I'm going to talk about going around wearing a sandwich sign saying, I am a Christian. I don't have to wear a sandwich sign around my body to say I'm a Christian. If my life does not show that, if my life does not produce that, if it doesn't come out in the day-by-day conversation, the manner of living, that's what the word conversation says in the New Testament, the manner of life, the manner of let your conversation or your manner of life be. It ought to be becoming of a Christian and Christ-like living. And the question comes up sometimes, what would Christ do? What would, what would Jesus do if He were here? I'm not sure altogether if I can answer the question, but I'll tell you what, it sure does help you a lot. Would Christ do that? Would Christ do this? Would Christ watch that on television? Would Christ listen to that kind of music? Would Christ tell that joke? Would Christ tell this? It's some, sometimes it's trying to put lipstick on a pig. It's the way we act sometimes, trying to dress up the world and make it look better and how sad it is. It's different now since Jesus made me whole. The exhortation, the definition of the world. Let me give that right quickly. Number one is not nature. We talk about the world of nature, talk about the world of the the stars and the universe, etc. It's not nature. Acts seventeen twenty four. God hath made the world and all things therein. He made the lilies. He made the daisies. He made the roses. He made the trees. He made all the greenery. He made the mountains and hooved out the valleys and pushed up the mountaintops. He put the beautiful flowers around the world. God is the author of all those. He made the stars in the heavens, twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are above the world so high. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the creator of the world, made every star there is in heaven. They used to think there was only 245 stars in all the earth, and then they began to count more. They said, that's not right. There's 347 stars, and they counted again, and they could never get it right. And finally, someone invented the telescope and they began to look in the, out, in the, out in the deep of the heavens. And now they got a number they can't number. It's so many, millions and millions of stars in the galaxies. And God made all of those. 
And God knows every one of them by name and He's pressed the host of heaven out there. And so God made that. The Bible says God has made the world. So He's not talking about love, not that world. I think it's wonderful to be able to look up at the moon or not and see the moon. I think it's wonderful to be able to see the sun rise in the morning. I had a habit for years taking pictures of the sunrise and the sunsets. There's three things that's always enamored me. Two things. One was the eagle in flight or the eagle, just any eagle picture. I've taken pictures of them if I had a chance to or I've bought pictures or somebody's given me pictures of them. I've collected eagles for all my life, for at least for the last 40 years. But the sun, I stopped the car. Sometime I've tried to take a picture while I was driving. That's dumb. You ever try to drive and take a picture? Well, you do it taking a selfie driving down the road. That's what y'all do. But the fact is, getting a good picture of the sun. The sun came up this morning. Let me just stop right there and say, hallelujah, glory to God. And the sun's coming up in the morning, and the sun's going to set this evening. As long as there is a God in heaven and He keeps things going like it is, the sun's going to come up every morning, and the sun's going to set every evening according to the dictates of God's divine providence. He is in charge in one day. He says, don't need it no more. And the sun's going to turn as black cloth as hair, and it's going to fall from its place, and the moon's going to turn to red as blood, and it'll fall from its place, and every star will fall like untimely figs from its place, and this whole universe will change completely when God does and working and revolutionizes the whole creation that he had and makes it new, completely new and redoes it completely. I believe it's going to be a great day on God's calendar. But God made a world and he likes for us to enjoy nature. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, it's not people. We talk about the world. The world has so many people, 8 billion people living in it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. Well, he's not talking about love, not that world. He's talking about mankind, human beings. We're supposed to love them. Now, it's not easy to love everybody. If it weren't for people, it'd be a lot easier. People sure mess us up, don't they? We was talking about school the other day, and I love, uh, we got kids in school. If it weren't for parents and kids, we'd have a good school. How's that? By the way, we got a good school this year. It was 63 students and Thank God for the staff. Thank God for the teachers in the nursery school and the academy. Probably 80 or 90 students we thank the Lord for. But people are people. I mean, that's a, good, that's a great statement. You should have write that down. People are people. And God loves people. For God so loved people that He gave His only begotten Son. So He's not saying love not people. He tells us to love one another and to love people. And we need to love people who, regardless of who they are and what state they may be in, love them. He's not talking about just people. He's talking about a system of things, organization. The word is cosmos, to arrange things. It's like cosmetic. The darkness of this world is referred to in Ephesians 6.12. He talks about the wickedness of this world. He's talking about an ungodly system that's spearheaded by the devil himself who takes the world to draw you away from God's love and away from God's program, away from God's way. And how sad it is. We talk about a world, we talk about the world of sports or the world of politics. We're talking about a system, an organization that's taking place. And the devil has taken the world as a learner to draw us away. I'm all for some, some things, but I don't want to get so wrapped up in the world that I forsake the Word. 
I don't get so wrapped up in the world that I forget my living for Him and I'm living more for the devil than I am for the God of heaven. Somewhere along the way, we've got to get a hold of the fact that the exhortation is given to us in verse 15. Love not the world. What do you love? How's your love life? How's your love life? Do you love money more than you love God? How can you tell? You're obsessed with it. You can't tithe because you love the world. You get your priorities. You're the change, change completely change just like that when you fall in love with God. As it relates to the things of God, you'd rather help somebody than spend it on an extra this or an extra that. Which is comparing meals the other day. Somebody was talking about what it costs to go out and eat lunch or go out and eat a meal. What it did in the last few months and how it's changed drastically. I mean, it's really jumped, jumped up there. So my wife and I have been discussing this thing. And if we can get it all worked out when we go out, I know the Brooks has already do this. They buy one plate. Where you at, Brooks? Right there. Y'all still buy one plate? Could you work a third one in there? <laughs> they buy one plate and they divide it, and that's what they eat. So if it costs them $10 for a plate, that's really only five. Now, if they both got a $10 plate, that's 20 It saves 10 Be sure to give that extra to the church, all right? We figure this thing out. But, you know, meal, good meal costs you $20, $25 now, just, just like that. Two people, 35 bucks. You guys say, I spent $35 the other day just on a meal, just a regular meal. It used to be 20 25 now it's 35 Something jumped up. I think chicken went up, didn't it? Whoever put their price tag raised it. It's a sin to raise chicken. <laughs> I mean, I love chicken. I believe God made it for preachers especially, and to raise chicken on, raise prices on chicken. Is one of the abominations, desolations of the Word of God. I love chicken. I love chicken better than do steak, but every once in a while I like to have a good night tender steak and uh, cook medium with a baked potato and sour cream and butter. And just when you cut it, you almost cut it with a fork and you put it in your mouth. And So I'm not a person who's against animals. I'm not one of those kind of folks who think you can't kill animals. I think God put them here for a reason. And one of the reasons he put cows here was to eat. <laughs> along with chickens. But the system that is opposed to God. So there's a definition. It's not nature. It's not people. It's, it's a cosmos. It's a, it's a cosmetic that he's trying to make it as attractive as he can. Uh, pretty up the face of the pig. as had a while ago. Put lipstick on it. Make it look as attractive as it can. So it will draw you. It will draw me into its very system that it will be able to cause us to turn away from God's power and God's blessings upon our life. It brings me down to the devotion before I close today. We're told not to love the world's system. It has its, it has its own knowledge. It has its own wisdom. It has its own organization. How sad it is. And again, I say, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So I am somebody walking in, in, in shoes and walking on two legs. I am got somebody dwelling on the inside of me. This is me with the Holy Ghost living in me. And the Holy Ghost wants to live out of me to help me to combat the enemies I have. And I have three of them. The world, the flesh, and the devil. How to overcome them. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Just get that. 
and you're driving down the road, you've been tempted to sin, or you're going somewhere where maybe something crosses your mind you know you ought not to do. Greater is He that's in you than He is in the world. You let the Holy Spirit help you. We'd be surprised how much meanness we could stay out of if we just listen. The Holy Ghost of God speaks to His children. You say, well, preacher, I'm, I'm my own man. I can figure things out myself. You ain't got enough sense getting out of the rain. Most of us don't. Now, God does give us common sense. I understand that. But I like sanctifying common sense where God just helps us. Don't you get the place sometimes that you feel overwhelmed? Now, I wasn't making that as a pity party while I go reading that Psalm 143. Sometimes the, the pressures are astronomical in life. Boy, how are we going to make it? How are we going to get this done? What, how's, how's this going to come to pass? And sometimes you wonder and you think, Lord, my soul, I've never been down this path before and I've been wondering and what's the next chapter of it. If you're not careful, you'll try to live down here when God's got you living right here. Sometimes we're trying to get to the product before the progress takes place and the process takes place. The product is good and wonderful, but God also says the process is what matures you and develops you and makes you into what you ought to be before you get there. When you get the products done and the cooking's already done and the meal's already set, but you had to get all this process done before you got there and God is in the process as much as the product and He's in the beginning as much as the ending. And hallelujah for God. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's always there no matter what we face no matter what we endure, no matter what troubles we go through, God is faithful and always has been. Well, somebody says, everybody does it, preacher. The reason I do it, everybody else does it. In my notes, if you saw my notes, you'll see a word that you probably can't spell, but I'll spell it for you. I put an explanation beside, point beside it. I got in my notes, the world makes sin look normal and righteous. Everybody does it, they tell me. That's right. The reason I do it, everybody does it. Everybody else does it. It can't be all that wrong. Lie. That's the devil using the world. I put in my notes. Ready? You want to write this down? You need this when you go home tonight. You know, no. <laughs> Explanation point. Everybody does it. No. Everybody don't do it. Right. Everybody don't live for this world. Everybody don't live like this world. And all of us need to evaluate our life. And I'm not here preaching to just end you and not me. I'm preaching, Daddy, you say the finger going that way, the thumb coming this way, or two fingers come back this way, whatever it was. I had a bunch of fingers already. Okay, one, but one of them come back this way. We're preaching to the choir. I understand that. But the choir needs to move a little higher. All of us need to get our hearts right with God and be spiritually minded and holy minded and get the filth out of our life and confess our sins before God. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse us. And the most happiest people in this building today are those that are holy. They've confessed their sins. They're right with God as far as they know. And if they're not right with God, this is a good time to get right with God. Just come and kneel here at the altar and tell God about it. You don't have to go to a pope. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to come to a preacher. I'm glad you have an intercessor. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And He ever liveth to make intercessions for you, intercessions for me. And thank God He's always on the job. And sometimes He turns to the Father and says, There's James again. It's what James wants this time. And he says he's been blown, been making mistakes, he's then failed. And he's asking for forgiveness. And God the Father says the blood covers his sin. Just, just tell him the blood covers it. The blood covers the past. Amen.
The blood covers the present. And the blood covers the future. Hallelujah. Glory to God for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Makes a difference. I'm so glad God loves me. He washes my sins whiter than snow. And He wants me to be as holy as He is. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of myself. I really am. He says, be ye therefore holy as I'm holy. Well, what's that mean, preacher? It's not hard to figure out. He said, be holy. Holy is the opposite of unholy. Holy is the opposite of filthy. Holy is the opposite of un- unkindness. Holy is the is, is, is opposite of anything that's good is unholy. Just be holy. And H-O-W-L-Y, holy, holy. Give your whole self to God to be holy. And let God make a difference in your life. I close with this today. For sake of time and also for sake of my legs giving way. When I was teaching new convert class, I have these in my notes here today somewhere. If I still have them. Here they are. I went through this for years. Question time. Is there anything in your life since you've been saved that you've got a concern about that you think is wrong? Or is there anything that you've heard that's wrong that you don't understand why it's wrong? So I made a list of those. I kept up with them. I never said yay or nay. I never said this was right and this is wrong. I said I want you to find out if it's right or wrong. See, there's a way for you to find out if something's right or wrong. Same with me. That's page two. How for you to find out. So I started listing these. There's 29 of them right here that I didn't come up with. The folks in the class did. Is it wrong to listen to a certain kind of music? I said, what kind of music? Rock music, country music, jazz, gospel rock, etc. I put that down. They said, is that, is that wrong for me to listen to as a Christian? I said, we'll find out. The use of tobacco, smoking, chewing, dipping. I say definitely smoking, definitely dipping, and even chewing. All three. I, I would agree with that. But is it wrong for me to do it as a Christian? Can I go to heaven and still smoke? Can I go to heaven and still dip stuff? Somebody says you may go to heaven, but you had to go to hell to spit. <laughs> Long hair on men, short hair on women. Is it wrong to attend movies, watch certain television programs? Or is it even right to have a TV? Well, ladies' apparel, should they wear shorts, miniskirts, and pants? Activities done on Sunday. Should you eat out, go fish, or go golfing on Sunday? Those are good questions. I'm not asking to say yes or no. You've got to figure it out with the help of the Lord. I'm not going to try to tell you how to live your life. I, my job is to preach the Word of God and give it to you, show you how to learn principles to live by. But I tell you the principles I'm living by. Gambling, including the lottery. Playing marbles. <laughs> I'm telling you, they ask that question. Checkers and dominoes. Well, I can tell you right off the bat what's wrong with dominoes. You gamble that you're going to win. You start putting money down for them playing checkers. Somebody going to cheat on checkers game. I've seen them do it. Visiting a fortune teller, reading the horoscopes in the paper, taking a little wine for the stomach's sake. Well, what the Bible says, 
It's all right drink liquor. Overeating, leave that one out. <laughs> Being a member of a lodge or a civic organization. Going to a psychiatrist for professional help. Having musical instruments in the church. Going to mix women. Having tattoos on your body, etc. These are folks young Christians ask, not me. You think I'm going to answer those questions? Not in the class. Then I give them seven principles to live by. I'll give them to you tonight. Seven principles to live by. I'll give you three definitions tonight to help in your Christian life. One is the word conviction. The second word is the word standard. And the third word is the word preference. Let God speak to your own heart. You know, sometimes a preacher has to become a truant officer, and I don't—I I had to quit it. Trying to straighten everybody's life out. I'm going to love you where you're at. It's not my job to straighten you out. It's God's job. God's job. I showed you biblical principles, and it's up to God. And as you rise in leadership, the more you rise in leadership, the more you are to live a certain way. Because people are watching you live. It's just the way it is. And just learn how to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, message is through. I just simply see the world the devil uses. I'll talk more about it tonight and give another explanation in detail. But the exhortation is love not the world, the things that are of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And the world is this system that's controlled by the devil, and he's a master at it. He's been on the job for thousands of years. You're no match for him. But I close one more time. The greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Let's stand together, please, for prayer. You may need to be saved today and come and trust Christ. You may need to come and just rededicate your life. Or you may need to come and just bow your head before God in prayer and say, Lord, help me to live the Christian life. There may be a need in your life today that God's searching you about the will of God. Bless you, Doug. Anybody else want to come? You come. Father, bless the invitation. Speak to hearts, we pray in Jesus' name.